you're listening to Schalke. Mir. Schalke America? Schalke America. Glück auf, okay. Hello to all our fans in the United States, the UK and around the world. You're listening to Schalke America. Glück auf. Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast worldwide. This is episode 80 of Schalke America and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. Joining me on the show, as always, is co-host Jack Mangan. Happy Draw Sunday, Jack. Yeah, not a victory Sunday today, but uh, good morning, Richard, the rare Sunday morning edition of the podcast. And why is that? Why don't you tell our listeners why that is? <laughs> well, that is because, um, well, the reason it's in the morning is because we have a very special guest, uh, our most capped uh, guest, if you will. Uh, she is a German-American Bundesliga and Premier League football sports journalist with focus online in Munich. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Marie Schulte-Bockum. Willkommen, Marie. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, just um, at home for Christmas, like most of our listeners maybe um right now so really glad to be back on yeah it's been a while since we've had you on i feel like it's been at least a year uh unfortunately for us uh what have you been up <laughs> to in the last uh since the last time we spoke so since the last time you spoke i was at two schalke games as a journalist Uh, in neither of which Schalke managed to score a goal. <laughs> 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 the first one was in February or March um, of this past season. The 0-4 loss to Fortuna Düsseldorf that very much spelled the beginning of the end for Tedesco. Oh. Um, it was the, that match where at the end the some of the fat ultras jumped onto the pitch to take um, Stamboli's captain's armband from him. And the other match which I was present for was in October of this season uh, for the 0-0 derby against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, uh, two very uh, interesting games in our in our uh, seasons for sure. Um, goalless is never a good thing. Uh, things are shaping up now. We're starting to have uh, contributions from strikers, not named Bergstaller. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously today we're going to talk about uh, the Wolfsburg match, Freiburg match. It was English Woche this week. Um, we got some big news, obviously, with Nubel going to Bayern. Uh, we did a little pod this morning, or pod, a poll this morning, asking uh, who the goalie should be for the rest of the season, given the news. Uh, we'll get to that, and then we'll talk a little bit about center backs, uh, and maybe a manager of, the dis manager of the decade discussion. But before we get to that, two quick uh, brief news updates. Unfortunately, uh, before the match uh, against Wolfsburg, uh, there was a loss of life. One of our one of our Schalke fans on the way to the match uh, did lose his life. Uh, he went to the hospital, and I think during about half times when they confirmed that he passed away, and obviously all the fans both from both sides were really uh, distraught about that, and you know gave the moment of silence. Um, 
So that was very, very unfortunate. Obviously, that, that trumped anything that happened on the field. Uh, and then another bit of news, um, Weston McKinney, the official, that he'll be out, I think, Jack, until February, if I saw correct? Uh, yeah, I think that's the timetable that, that Wagner's put it on. Um, it, yeah, as we feared, it is, it is going to be uh, a longer-term injury. Luckily, it happened at probably about the best time it could have in the course of the season because now, of course, we're heading into the Vince Pazzo, so there's going to be uh, a long period of time here where he's not going to be missing matches, which is which is ideal. So hopefully he uh, that timetable ends up being accurate and he, he stays on schedule and is back uh, as soon as possible. Uh, Marie, since you're out, since you're in Germany as opposed to Jack and I, uh, anything have you heard any updates about um, who this young man was that lost his life or any any other news uh, from that? Yes, so there yesterday in the stadium, they had his picture up on the video globe, and um, I have to say I don't know from the top of my head what his name was, but they also had a banner in the. Nordkurve, um, kind of stretching the whole length and width of the Nordkurve before kickoff, um, just saying rest in peace and once an ultra, always an ultra, one, you know, some something along those lines. Yeah, and uh, I know there was a couple minutes of silence from the from the ultras uh, at the beginning of the match, and it wasn't until like fifth minute where they started, you know, the end of their silence. So uh, that was a nice tribute from them, nice touching one there. Um, this was English Volka. It was a it was a two games this week. Very important matches. Uh, two teams in the top ten. Uh, the first match was Wednesday against Wolfsburg. Uh, they were at the time in eighth place. We were in fourth. I want to say um, it was an interesting game. It was very close. They had just came off a victory over Gladbach, uh, so we knew that they were very strong. Uh, we obviously um, are fighting to keep our Champions League spot and Europe European spots. Uh, really. Uh, in the mix there. This would be a true test for Schalke uh, going into the end of the Hinrunde. Um, it was a very cagey game. Uh, Ozan Kabak opened the scoring in the 54th minute, I believe. Um, gets beautifully up on the header on the corner. Uh, smartly stays in the play. Gets his own rebound. Scores a goal. Beautiful goal. Uh, and then Wolfsburg would end up tying the game um, through Mbabu. Uh, he would equalize. I thought Marcel Tesserand uh, shoved Schubert in the back that led to that goal, but Hey, that's just my opinion. Um, Marie, since you're the guest, uh, what were your thoughts on, on the Wolfsburg match? So I actually think, especially on the goal against us, uh, I thought it was amusing that Mbabu scored because Schalke was reportedly interested in him um, at two points of last yep. season. And um, secondly, I don't. I think Schubert... I think he was quite clever there because he immediately raised his arm, the reclamier arm, as we call it, when we're talking about Manuel Neuer. And I don't think it was a foul at all. I think he just mistimed his jump, which we've seen other Schalke keepers do this season. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I think it was a normal um, use of the body by Tisserand. I just think it was unfortunate, but I think otherwise Schubert had a very good debut and I was a little bewildered by the lineup up front uh, because with Fabian Riese and Guido Burgstaller um, against a team that is known for its very strong defensive unit with Wolfsburg, immediately I kind of thought this was going to be a low-scoring match because, of course, Schalke has also had a very good defensive record this season. So um, I think Riese, you know, did his best. I think he had some good runs and dribbles in the first half. 
in the second half, he kind of lost um, his his breath a bit. You know, he didn't um, do as much running and he kind of lost his focus a little bit. The other players no longer tried to find him on the pitch. And in general, yeah, I just thought it was a little bit disappointing and also very unlucky for Cotucho to be missing that match and the match this past weekend when, you know, there was really a good opportunity to maybe um, have a chance from the beginning. But because he had his own um, illness, I think he had something with his ribs or something. I could be wrong. Um, He was out for both of those matches, which was a shame. Yeah, Jack, uh, going into this uh, this week, we thought it'd be a good time to see some players who didn't get that much pitch time this year, some rotation. Hopefully, obviously, Katushi would get in there with his injury. Obviously, that was not going to happen. The lineup Shaka put out there, obviously, Schubert and Nett with the suspension uh, to Nubel. Back for pretty much the same since uh, since McKinney's injury, and it's been Kenny, Kabak, Ochipka, Miranda. The midfield four was pretty much a standard one, Mascarell, Serdar, Kalajiri, and Harit, and as Marie mentioned, Bergstahl and Riza. Um were you, Jack, much surprised that there wasn't much rotation in this initial lineup against Wolfsburg minus the, the top two? Yeah, last week we had discussed that we potentially wanted to see some of that it would be a good opportunity for, but I think the, the defensive situation with the injuries doesn't really allow for that at the moment. There's really there's really no depth to call upon in that sense. And then also, you know, Wolfsburg is is a good squad this season. Um, you know, mid table, but you know, they're they're certainly dangerous. I think they showed that because I think they I mean, we're lucky to get out of there with a draw, in my opinion. Um, and, and so in that sense, I think it would have been difficult to do a lot of rotation in the midfield. I think you probably needed to start um, that core midfield of, of Saradar, Caligari, Mascarell, and Harit. I mean, I don't think you want to see necessarily like, you know, Bujalab or Mercan in there uh, in this kind of a match. Uh, I think the surprise was was Fabian Reza. Um, we expected that maybe the, the striker position was going to be where you might see some rotation. Um, obviously, we were hoping it was going to be Katuchu, and as as Marie said, I think that was the plan from Wagner's perspective. But then, you know, the he was unavailable, wasn't fit. Um, I, I guess I was kind of surprised to not see like Skripsky or somebody, yeah, in there. Um, the Fabian Reza thing was just kind of out of left field for me. Uh, but maybe he's been you know playing really well in training. I don't know. Uh, and I and I think there was a something just came out a couple of days ago saying now that Stripsky's looking to to leave in January potentially. So and I wouldn't be surprised because I don't I don't think he's really even seen the pitch almost at all this season. Uh, so yeah, it, I mean it ended up being I think in terms of a lineup, uh, pretty strong in terms of what we're capable of putting on the pitch for almost every position at this point, just because of like I said the lack of um, the lack of depth. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree about that. And, um, and my initial thoughts when I saw Riza is, you know, before I knew about the Katuchu thing, I was like, oh, does he really hate Katuchu? That he's just going to go whoever and find any striker to put him above him. But then I heard about the news. I'm like, okay, never mind. That I guess that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, that game drew 1-1. The two big standouts for me in that match, I thought Schubert did nicely um, in his first start. And I, the, the man in the back uh, who's going to be uh, – Given us some uh, question and debate who starts at center back, I'm talking about Ozan Kabak. He continues to impress with his ball skill on the ball, but also in front of goal, uh, in front of both goals, really. I mean, he did excellent to jump, uh, get ahead on that goal in the corner, and then stay with it and get it and, and shoot it in. Uh, Marie, this guy, 19 years old, is very, very impressive. Um, I've made remarks that you know he he loves to go to ground a tackle, which not many defenders do these days. It's very Alessandro Nesta esque. Um, but how impressed have you been with the young man? I think especially 
on the ground uh, when he runs back. He's he's very uh, fast as well, although he doesn't look it because he's very physical. His sliding tackle is incredible. You know, how many times have we seen that this season that in um, in the danger zone, he dares to do that, you know, come in from uh, from the back and just really take the ball off the striker. And that's saved us at the very least from shots on goal. And if not, even from um, goals conceded against Schalke. So he's been really outstanding. And I also think that he's the type of signing that we would never have gotten if it weren't for Michael Reschke, um, because he had he was the one who had brought him to Stuttgart and had those connections. And I'm really a bit of a critic from of Michael Reschke um, from his time at Stuttgart, but I think um, this is something that he did very well to secure the signature of someone that age. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years um, Kabak can become very valuable as a um, as another unfortunate departure, but as someone who could <laughs> definitely fetch a lot of money for Schalke. Hopefully the key is there to fetch money and not go on free transfer. Jack, uh, we keep talking about this player more and more uh, throughout the season. He's just uh, quietly impressed, or largely impressed, loudly impressed. Um, but his play with, with the ball at his feet is not something you're used to seeing with a center back. Maybe maybe some of the teams that play ball control like a Man City or Barcelona, but um, typically what we see at, uh, uh, a center back who is good with his head is not necessarily good with his feet, but uh, Kabak, Kabak necessar- has all the traits, it seems, of a, of a five-star athlete. Yeah, he continues to impress uh, kind of in both phases of the game. I think you've seen enough offensive contribution for him uh, consistently enough through his his starts recently where you can't really say it's a fluke at this point. Not that I'm expecting him to continue to score goals this rate necessarily, but um, you know the danger that he's posing in those areas I think is is very real and like an actual part of his game and one of his strong attributes. Obviously, he's been very solid defensively as well, but uh, he, he's doing some good things uh, in the middle of uh, in the in the pitch and in, in build up and possession. Uh, you know, he plays some line breaking passes now and again. Um, he's he's able to. Uh, Push forward on, on, on the dribble occasionally. He'll, he'll occasionally take uh, exploit some of the open space and, and, and push forward and drive drive the attack, which is, which is nice to see because uh, we haven't had um, a center back who's necessarily willing to do that as much recently, at least in my opinion. Um, you know, like Matip used to do that a lot, that kind of thing, and those things can that can be very important and, and useful occasionally. Um, so yeah, I, I've been I've been very impressed with him, and uh, he's gonna cause David Wagner a serious issue when uh, Sané and Istanbuli come back to to full fitness, because it's gonna be very difficult uh, to drop him. But that's that's a good problem to have, I guess. It it is indeed. Um, so one one was a, was a score of that game. Uh, not the greatest of results, but um, it could have been worse, obviously, with the loss. So um, we were hoping that at minimum we would get a draw, and we did in that one. So uh, being on the road as well. So uh, then we went to uh, yesterday's matchup uh, again, home against Freiburg. Uh, this one had all the makings of a of a, of a classic, a top spiel, really. Uh, two teams in the in the in the upper half of the top ten. Uh, both teams playing really well. Both teams really come out of nowhere this year. Um, and when you talk about managers of the year. Uh, at least for the half season so far, Wagner and Strike both have to be at, at mentioned with these with, uh, some of the names out there, like Marco Rose, Marie. Um, both these managers have done tremendous with both their clubs. Yeah, definitely. I think Streich, um again has shown that 
every expert is wrong at the beginning of the season whenever they <laughs> say that Freiburg is going to go down. <laughs> um, because he... And I think it's starting to also become known as this environment where players thrive and want to go because now you've got players returning like uh, Vincenzo Grifo, who's a fantastically technical player, but somehow didn't succeed at um, bigger and better sides of the Bundesliga, partly because he was missing that special ingredient that um, is clearly available at Freiburg and Again, I still wonder sometimes when you look at their lineup and the types of players they have, how on earth they do so well. <laughs> um, and even yesterday, especially if you if you just compare one v one the quality that is available to both these sides, then I think Schalke would probably come out with an eleven nil um, win in that category. But somehow, uh, through two penalties they managed to sneak a point away um, and take it with them to Breisgau. So I think Streich has done very well. With David Wagner, um, it's just incredible how he's made players that were so average last season suddenly thrive, like Uma Mascarell, Suat Seada. You know, Seada is now a national team player who has very good chances of going to the Euros next yeah. summer. You know, who knew that was possible? Benito Raman, who had a bit of a tough game, uh, a bit of a tough start to the season, rather, and who a lot of people were questioning, you know, how expensive he was and if that was a good signing. And then suddenly he's basically becoming our our key goal scorer and provider of, of goals and now even assists. And all these players are suddenly um, getting better. Okchipka is another one I want to mention who... Um, a lot of fans were very critical of this past season and who's now basically made it very difficult for Miranda to get any minutes at all. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he's he's done very well at improving key players. Of course, I mean, Arit is another um, key, key one to mention there. But also, I think the style of play, um, this direct style of play, of seeking those straight uh, passes forward. Uh, Raphael Honigstein compared the new Schalke to how a Premier League side plays. Yeah. You know, very yeah. physical, very quick, um, very quick passes. And then, you know, Arit as like the heart and soul of the side who can, you know, have these special moments. But Seada as well has been incredible from from deep positions going forward. So, yeah, I mean, this is not what I expected. I expected us to finish this season, you know, perhaps... 10th, 12th, something like that. And, you know, who's to say that won't happen? We we still have another Rückrunde ahead of us, but I'm, I'm very happy with the development under Wagner so far. Jack, uh, I think Christian Streich said it, said it best where he said, Schalke now have fire under them, uh, under Wagner. It's uh, something that's been missing for a long time. Uh, Schalke's home record uh, is probably the best form it's been uh, pre-Tedesco era. So um, Wagner's done a lot for this club in a short amount of time. Yeah, Wagner's impressed, and I think I, I think this is a definitely a, an encounter with uh, two excellent managers. I don't know if Christian Strike necessarily has the name recognition uh, to like casual fans. I kind of like the you know the general European consciousness necessarily at this point, but to anybody who follows the Bundesliga, I think he's kind of a cult favorite, um, and and for good reason. I mean the the things he's been able to do, as Marie said, with um, on paper relatively less talented side is, is, is incredibly impressive. So that, I mean, I think everyone likes striking and respects what he's doing, but David Wagner has, has, 
has done well. I mean, I think I, I liked the hire when we got David Wagner. I thought it was going to help and I thought it was going to turn things around, but I didn't expect it to uh, be this successful this early. Um, I mean, as you know, like preseason, I predicted us to finish somewhere more around mid table and I, I thought we'd look a lot more solid, but um, I, yeah, I've been very impressed with how we're playing. It, it's, it's night and day in terms of the competency, especially going forward uh, for, from last year. So um it's 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 been it's been great to watch. Here we are sitting kind of at the midway point of the season, and uh, I think pretty much all Schalke fans have to be very pleased with what we've seen so far. Yeah, I think uh, nobody could really imagine this. And maybe maybe they like a wild imagination. Yeah, but I mean, in reality, this would have been uh, difficult for us to imagine would happen uh, throughout the season. But um, yeah, you know, looking at the lineups uh, in this Freiburg match. You knew defensively there wouldn't be much rotation because it's very depleted with all the injuries going on. Uh, similar back five, if you will, Schubert again in goal. Back four, Kenny, Kabak, Ochipka, Miranda. The midfield really didn't really change too much. There's a 4-4-2 diamond uh, formation. Mascarell, Kalajiri, Harit, and Serdar in the middle. And then up top you had Rahman and then um, Robbie Matando inserted into the lineup, Marie. Um, it's not surprising that you had a, a speedster like Matando who... Hasn't get much opportunity this this season so far, but when he's been in there, he's been pretty he's been pretty good and uh, using his pace to really um, hurt teams, especially like Dortmund early in the season. Uh, but so it was good to have two guys with pace up top there. Yeah, I agree. I think Matondo is the type of player, also with his personality and even just the way he looks. He's so like youthful that um, supporters immediately like and warm to. And I do think he, when he plays, there are certain moments where he makes unfortunate decisions, where his um, decision-making under pressure is still a bit off, um, you know, where he loses the ball or plays the wrong pass, or, um, you know, he also needs to work a little bit on his shooting for a striker. But with his pace and even just the willpower, and also his, I think he's got a very high work rate. You know, he always um, tries to run into certain spaces, even when there's a slim chance he's going to get that pass, but he does it anyway. Um, and it's helpful not only, um, I mean, the way he plays is not only helpful if he eventually gets the ball, but of course, by doing so, he draws defenders with him and creates space for other players. Um, and we know this season that we have a lot of um, goal scoring potential coming from midfield. So by drawing defenders to his side, you know, to the flank uh, and away from those areas, he also creates chances for those players. So I'm very happy with him. I think he's very raw. I think he needs much more develop development than perhaps we like to admit. But I think David Wagner knows that and will give him that time. I think that's a really good point because even if his end product uh, as, as a striker really isn't where it needs to be at this at this point in time i think some of the other attributes that he has are valuable for the reason you said and just in terms of what it does for some of the players on the pitch because i think in in suat serdar and uh, aminari you have two of the most competent midfielders in the bundesliga in terms of uh you know progressing the ball on the dribble and, and taking on defenders and if you have matando out on that wing uh they have to respect that, that he could take off at any moment and a long ball could be played in behind that sort of thing. And so that's going to just open up more space in the middle of the pitch for them to, to, to operate. Um, and they're already dangerous doing that when it's, when it's very clogged. So, I mean, just the, the, the more space you can get there, uh, the better it's going to be for us. And I think Matondo is, is definitely valuable in that sense. 
and Marie kind of alluded to it that we're getting a lot of we're getting a lot of help goal scoring wise from our midfield, and that's where the goal scoring would start in this one. Uh, Ozan Kabak would break up a play in the defensive end. Uh, Suat Serdo would pick up the loose ball, take it up the pitch, give it to Benito Rahman, who was out wide left. Uh, Rahman holding up the play, letting uh, Serdar either intentionally or unintentionally catch up to the play. Uh, looked like a slotted home pass. It could have been a shot. N- Regardless, uh, Suat Serdar gets on the end of it before uh, before Flecken uh, scored the goal, give a goal to Schalke, who take the lead one nothing. Marie, uh, you love to see that kind of hustle from a midfield like Serdar. Serdar, you already talked about how he's he might be joining the D Mannschaft uh, for Euros. He's having a remarkable season, and he's co-leader in goal scoring lead for Schalke this season. Yeah, I think again, I mean, this goal is completely on him. Even if he hadn't scored it, this would be the type of goal that he definitely um, created himself and the way that I watch him play now I think he's very reminiscent of the Schalke Goretzka and I say the Schalke Goretzka because Goretzka plays very differently at Bayern you know he plays much higher up the pitch but um, the Goretzka we saw at Schalke was the type of player who would drop deep fetch the ball and then run it forward and I think Sierra does this very well he has a similar technical ability to take on players one-on-one and that dynamic nature of always seeking the quickest path forward towards the goal, um, which actually I think is very different to Arit. I think Arit is a a bit more playful and um, perhaps a bit more exuberant in how he takes on opponents. So I think they, um, they being Seada and Arit complement each other very well in that sense. And, um, yeah, I think we're finally seeing the Seada that Schalke signed. Um, Got to give Heidel a bit of credit here, <laughs> rare credit. And um, the the Seada that, um, you know, we were promised as a replacement for Goretzka. So I have a question on the back of that. So before we finish talking about this goal, what does that do for you, Marie, in terms of your opinion of Heidel now? Because as you, as you mentioned, there's, there's a number of signings that, uh, he was somewhat criticized for based on their performances under Tedesco that now appear like they're panning out and it seems like, hey, maybe they weren't such bad signings after all. What does that do, in your opinion, for his legacy? So it definitely improves his legacy um, in the way that we see him as a scout and a, um, you know, basically someone who signs players. I think in that sense, it's highly improved. What I still, and I actually wrote an article about this in the spring, what I still question with not not in the spring at the beginning of the season I mean um what I still question with Heidel is his very old-fashioned way of uniting all the competencies that in the modern game are basically um orchestrated by a whole management tier in his one person because he you know he very much didn't want to share power and Clemens Tonius very early on actually said well why don't we provide you with a squad planner um, a, a, you know, a head of scouting, etc. And he always um, denied that. He always wanted to carry that out himself. And this is how mistakes happen. And, you know, I mean, it's it's such a grievance that we're dealing with pretty much this very day that he thought that Nubel had um, an automatic one-year extension built into his contract if he plays a certain number of minutes, which is just bizarre. You know, I mean, it sounds like he kind of made that up out of thin air, to be honest. Um, and, you know, it was it was really terrible that he didn't extend with Nubel even in October of 2018 when he had those minutes in the Champions League um, and had that game time when Fairman was injured. So there are certain 
issues that I have with Heidel and the way that he sees his position that I think cannot be remedied by the current success of the players he signed. But of course, I'm I'm grateful that we have someone of Suatera's caliber, you know, because the quality that he provides in the transfer market now, you know, we would be looking upwards of 20 million um, euros to sign a player like that. Yeah, it's really crazy. Uh, looking at 2020, what Heidel, at least the scouting is, a lot of those players are, are doing better um, in their second season, second, third season. So, um, yeah, Jack, it's, it's a very good question about Heidel. I mean, obviously, the his decision-making and certain aspects like the Nubel contract situation and other contract situations and their selection maybe of... Um, uh, the management and stuff like that, but you know, in terms of scouting, it looks like maybe he was as, he was a little bit more right than people gave him credit for. Yeah, it's certainly appearing that way, and and Suat Serdar's play is you know probably the the most prominent example of that. I think he he started to come on at the end of last season at the very end and, and started to turn a corner, but um, has been phenomenal. I think to start the season. So far, and, and this this goal was a great example of that. It's actually kind of reminiscent to me of, I believe Lewandowski scored a goal on match day one against Hertha Berlin, where he just kind of made this 60-yard run or something, just yeah. straight into the box and then received, popped up on the end of it. Um, and I think it's it, that's what it reminded me of when Serdar did it. It was just great you know, to dribble forward for, for a bit, take it into the opposition half and then lay it off for Raman. He just kind of kept going as, as the defenders turned their attention to, you know, the ball carrier. He's slipping in behind and uh, arrives at the perfect moment. Um, and it's just a really intelligent straight line run from him. Um, and uh, I mean, it's great effort for him to, to cover that much ground and, and pop up on the end of it. So uh, very impressive. That actually wasn't my favorite goal of the match. And I think you know why. But I think on another day it might have been just because it was so, so well worked. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to see that. And uh, hopefully he can continue that goal scoring form uh, going forward. It's been nice that, you know, Ramon has started to pick up the slack recently uh because we know that we've been lacking goals from from that position so far this season but uh yeah harit and, and sardar have been in, huge in that regard in terms of uh making up for that it's funny that the three players who had a lot of question marks going into the season kabak sardar and rahman all contributed on this goal uh it's th- three players that you're seeing a lot of good stuff from this season especially as of late uh and we're, and we're, in, and we're talking about rahman there um finding his goal scoring form now so um, good things, good stuff from the young players in the team, and so they get they jump out to the one nothing lead. Um, Jack's favorite goal is coming up, the Niels Peterson penalty kick. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's funny. So leading to that penalty in the fifty fourth minute, we go into halftime with the lead. That's great. Uh, team's playing fairly well. It's it's a chess match in this match for sure. These two teams are very evenly matched. Uh, both trading opportunities. Schubert playing fantastic both in this match and in, in the Wolfsburg match. Um, but in the fifty fourth minute, the man who we gave a lot of credit to in the first goal. Uh, comes up involved in this in this goal or in this penalty, I should say. Uh, Kabak chases down Holler and 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 they they collide. Uh, he goes down in the box. Uh, nothing called initially by the referee. VAR buzzed the buzzed the referee's ear and they went to look at it and they did call a penalty. Marie initially, what were your thoughts? Or I guess after you saw the replay, did you agree with the call? Did you think it was fair or unfair? What, what was your thoughts? I think it's one of those decisions where if the if it had happened anywhere else on the pitch, a foul would not have been called. But because it was in that area of the pitch, you can definitely argue that it was a penalty. I think it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for a young player. 
um, to experience that in the last game before Christmas at home. But, you know, he'll learn from that. And I, I think it's it's a tough one because my understanding of VAR is that it only comes into play if a definitely wrong decision has been made, if a call has been, you know, 100% wrong. And I don't see that here. I think it can be a penalty, but it just as easy can be, you know, just called as a normal situation, a normal, um, you know, tackle for the ball. So, yeah, I think Kabak was a bit unlucky there, um, but I also don't think that the referee is in any way to blame for Schalke losing two points or anything like that. No, Jack, it seems like VAR really hasn't been our friend this season or last season, really. Um, that play is very reminiscent of what we would see in the NFL where I consider it, you know, incidental contact with two, two guys running with the ball and not paying attention and accidental contact. Um, that's how I saw it. I thought, you know, it was a, little, a really harsh call to make uh, by VAR. What were your thoughts uh, on that, on the Kabak play? So I, I didn't like it as a decision, and the reason I didn't like it was because, in my opinion, Hilaire takes advantage of the contact and goes down on his own. Um, when, when I watched the play live, I didn't think it was a penalty at all. When I saw the replay, then you, I think you see the contact that, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to see initially. And uh, Kabak does catch kind of the back of his leg. Um, but if, I think if you watch it in slow-mo, it's pretty clear that uh, Hilaire is able to steady himself from that. But then I think in a split second realizes that there was contact, and then he suddenly falls down. To me, it was not a natural fall as a result of the action that Kabak took. It was like a decision that he made to go down. But, you know, there is contact in there. Um, and so I, I understand why it was called. I mean, I think you certainly can call that. I just didn't personally like it because whenever I feel like, you know, the, the action that the, the offensive player takes is not a, a direct result of, of the contact that was made, I think it gets kind of sketchy. But, yeah. um, you know, you can't do that. And it, it was just unfortunate because it wasn't even like a challenge that Kabak made. He wasn't going in for the ball on that or anything. It just was sort of, as you said, incidental contact where the two of them kind of came together and he, uh, he tripped him up by accident. So um, I don't think it's that bad of a mistake from, from Kabak. Like I said, it was kind of a freak play. I mean, he does yeah. need to be careful because he goes in pretty strong because he is such a physical player as we've talked about. But um, yeah, it wasn't one of those, those plays in the box where you're like, you know, what are you doing? Why would you make that challenge or something along those lines? It was just a very, um, unfortunate play. I think um, uh, Kabak looked like he was going in for one of his patented slide tackles if he had caught up to him, but never got to that point. Uh, Niels Peterson would step up. Uh, he would get the record for most goals in Freiburg history. I think he tied it or he dirty, or did he pass it? Do we know uh, from either of you? Um, so he, he tied it initially with that penalty, and then um, on the next one he had an opportunity to pass it ah, if he would have it taken was. it, but it was given to Grifo, yeah. Right, and well, speaking of that penalty, I think that second one that Miranda stepped on Quan, I thought that was more of a penalty uh, that I had less of an argument with. Um, initially, I thought it, was, it wasn't a good call, but when I saw the replay, Marie, I saw Miranda's foot clearly steps on Quan's foot, um, and I thought it was, a, it was a fair penalty, even though harsh for second penalty within the 15 minutes of Frischalka, I thought it was the right call. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, really can't add anything to that except that you know, Miranda, this is a moment that kind of showed that he has been lacking some of that game time needed to succeed yeah. in very difficult situations in the Bundesliga. And that's not his fault, <laughs> to be frank. So it's just one of those things that we've got to take on our chin, I guess. Jack, um, 
Vincenzo Grifo steps up, not Niels Peterson to re- break the record, which I thought was interesting. I wonder who made that call. If it was a Peterson, was a strike, was a Grifo. Um, nonetheless, um, uh, uh, to quote, to be frank about it, it was ballsy, ballsy shot. Uh, we call it a, a uh, paneca in, Ital- in Italian soccer. Uh, Schubert did not look happy with that goal attempt. Uh, it was a good goal. Uh, it was very ballsy, but uh, a goal nonetheless. And Schubert looked very, very angry at, at Grifo after scoring the goal. If, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I don't think any goalkeeper likes to be penenkid. And then I think <laughs> Grifo, Grifo was maybe excessively smug about it. He yeah. seemed very pleased with himself for his execution of that, which I, I was kind of annoyed by. I but, almost thought it was Ronaldo um, for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's Schubert had a decent game and, you know, two penalties. So he hates being put in that situation. No goalkeeper wants to lose a clean sheet off the back of, of penalty decisions. And then, you know, to to have it go in in that in that regard is, I think, just kind of insult to injury. Um and that, that second penalty was just, I, th- I think it was more clear-cut for sure, as, as yeah. you guys said, than, than the first one. But it was also unfortunate in the sense that uh, Chang-Hoon was, was leaving the box when it happened. Like, it wasn't like, you know, he was, he was driving towards the goal and, and Miranda had to interfere. Yeah. He was turning around and actually exiting the, <laughs> the penalty area. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and, the, like, Miranda kept him from doing that, which was like, you know, so it wasn't even the most dangerous situation. So, yeah, just <laughs> really unfortunate Um and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, but I think in some ways, I think that was a, a positive from Schalke in the sense that we weren't allowing Freiburg a ton of like clear cut goal scoring opportunities. They weren't scoring these goals on the backs of being dangerous. It was just some, some really unfortunate plays, which I mean, I, I, you could look at it either way, but I think there's, there's a, there's a way in which you could spin that to, to be positive for the Schalke defense. I think that uh, overall, overall in the game, I don't think Schubert really had much to do. The couple opportunities he did have, he was stellar. But for the most part, Schubert didn't have much to do in the game. Uh, so that made 2-1 for Freiburg uh, on the road for them. Uh, but then it was, then finally Wagner came to his senses in the moment we were all waiting for Free Katuchu. Marie, in the 70th minute, he would come on for Robbie Matando. Um, I think the game really changed, as it always does when he enters, right? Um, it changed dramatically, I think, once he entered the game because you could see that uh, he got inserted into the matchup really, really quickly. Yeah, I think maybe in a sense, Wagner is so reluctant to bring him earlier in the match than like the last 20 minutes because he is so good at like shaking things up when he does come on. And maybe, I mean, I'm really, this is me giving Wagner credit and trying to read <laughs> anything into his decisions. But maybe he thinks that by the 70th minute, the opposite side is so tired that they just can't be bothered to deal with a new player anymore. Because this, this, that very clearly happened against Freiburg, and Fiducio did very well. He exactly like you said, he immediately seems to be in the middle of everything, and um, immediately he asks for the ball and gets it, which I think says a lot about trust of his fellow players because this is something I noticed in the match where Miranda came on uh, very unexpectedly after McKenney's injury is at the, at the beginning, players would stop the ball, look to the left where Miranda was and then play some kind of free pass to avoid <laughs> including him in the game because they clearly <laughs> weren't yet like prepared to trust him and Kutucho never has that issue. So to me, that's a sign that he perhaps does well in training or does something to impress his teammates. And I mean, what a goal, honestly, like anyone who plays soccer understands that with those kind of half volleys 
typically, you know, you basically sky them, you know, you, you, you shoot them over the trees or whatever. And um, for him, his position in taking that ball has had to really have been spot on to keep that ball flat and um, hit the target, you know, put it in the back of the net. I was very happy for him because I think he's um, someone who deserves that. He's worked hard for that goal and he was involved in the creation of a few goals in the past month. And for him to to add um, finally something to his own um, goal sheet is is really good to see. Jack, it's uh, he's certainly a super sub. And I think one of the commentators mentioned that, you know, he's almost emblematic or the, uh, the icon of Schalke at the moment just because... He he is everything that Schalke fans want, and he and he, when he's on the pitch, he does provide the necessary tools for us to be competitive in the matches. That goal, I mean, he is he is left-footed, and that, that was a right-footed strike that any right-footed player would have been thrilled to score. I mean, it could have been placed any better. Yeah, it was a hell of a goal. I mean, it, it comes out to him, and you can see him just lining it up. He kind of like torques the hips a little bit so he could really you know spin around and get the whip on it that he needs, and makes great contact with it, keeps it low. I mean, just pinpoint accuracy. I think it actually hits the post and bounces in. Yeah. He's going for that far corner. Um, it's just it's it's a hell of a strike. It's it's I mean, and it's so technically difficult to pull that off, as as Marie said to her point. Um, so yeah, obviously I was I, I was thrilled. Um, big moment for the freak tutu movement, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it it just and the, the thing I want to mention though is that the last couple appearances. For Katuchu, I've been really impressed with his general play. I mean, when he came on, I think it was against Frankfurt. Am I making that up? What what, what game am I thinking of? Not Frankfurt. Um, uh, Bayer, wasn't it? Yeah, Leverkusen. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leverkusen was one of the, yeah. So, I mean, I, I thought just everything he was doing in possession and buildup was coming off for him as well. His passing was great. Um, and I think in this game, you saw him winning some aerial duels. And uh, just being very uh, silky on the ball and um, impressing in, in just a lot of different ways. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he can do more than just kind of pop up on the end of chances. I think I think he's useful in general build up too, um, which, which is which is nice to see. I mean, and I think you could like still, I think you could put him in like a four, four, two diamond. If we, I think we were playing more of like a four, two, three, one in this one, maybe, but I think you could put him up and maybe have him drop slightly deeper. Um, and to kind of combine in the midfield and then still keep somebody uh, up top to partner with him. Um, and he could be useful in that regard too. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I loved, I loved seeing him come in and uh, obviously had a, a massive impact on the match. Certainly one of the goals of the year for Schalke. It's got to be up there with uh, John Joe Kenny's blast from earlier in the season. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be Benito Ramon's goal or, for a few weeks ago, but uh, it's certainly up there uh, just for uh, – just for argument's sake or comparison's sake, let's uh, compare his statistics so far with uh, Guido Brookstaller. Why not? Um, since Marie <laughs> brought him up in the Talking Football uh, podcast, if you haven't seen that, yes, episode. yes, well, well done, Marie. I was, I was so excited. When <laughs> yeah, we're, when, we're happy when to get I a Freak Tucci movement on there. Yeah, when I saw the Talking <laughs> Football tweet with with the Freak Tucci hashtag in in the description, I was, I mean, like, just. Just doing the Lord's work out there, Marie. We appreciate it. So <laughs> the thing is, that wasn't it. Wasn't even raised as a question. I was just like, oh, and by the way, yeah, that's what like, we love no, more. We'll, yeah, you were like, hey, we're gonna talk about this for a minute. I got to get this <laughs> off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, appearances so far this season: uh, Guido Bergsteller, fifteen, ten for Katuchu. Starts eleven for Bergie, zero for Katuchu. Minutes played: it's almost a thousand for Bergie, just under two hundred for Katuchu. Uh, 
Um, but the important thing is um, goals. Zero for Bergie, two now for Katuchu. Assists, one, one for both. Uh, and shots, eight shots only for Katuchu, of 29 for Bergstaller. I mean, the statistics say it. I mean, Bergstaller, you know, he hasn't been starting lately, which is, which is good for the team. Team has responded really well. Ramon's come on really hot. But you need that extra, another player out there just to ignite the team even more. Harit's doing great. Serdar's doing great. Ramon's doing great at the moment. You know, find a way to get Patuchu out there, and we could be looking at a very, uh, really, really strong team in the Rook Runda uh, if this comes to fruition, guys. Um, we, we keep saying it. I mean, everything he does just touches the gold, and uh, another wonderful goal this, uh, this weekend, uh, just icing on the cake for that. Yeah, I think one thing we should mention is um, that's a bit of a setback for the Free Katuchu movement is um, today uh, Kicker announced that Schalke will be loaning Michael Grigoric um, for the latter half of the season, without a, apparently without a clause to buy. But, you know, he's a player who I think plays very differently, but plays on similar spaces between midfield and up front. And um, I think he'll be another squad member that Katucho will have to battle for minutes, unfortunately. Well, that's not ideal. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, we, 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 knew, we knew that this was coming potentially. There's been a lot of talk about uh, what Schalke might be trying to do in the transfer market in January, particularly um, in the forward position. So uh, not surprised that they're... Um, Bringing uh, somebody in, um, I think I think Greg Rich is a is a is a solid player too. So I'm, I'm not I'm yeah. not upset about that. But yeah, for all of, for all of us that would like to see Katuchu get more minutes, that's you know that's not ideal. But if it helps the team overall, um, I'm obviously all for it. And um, it's it's better to have I think more options rather than less. I mean, just like Katuchu had an xG in this game, he played like 20 minutes, right? Yeah, he had an xG of 0.43 <laughs> in 20 minutes. <laughs> Which is yep. more than Ra- which is more. He than almost Ra- got the game Cattle. winner in the eighty seventh yeah. minute. Exactly, um, and then you can argue that maybe he should have in that sense, which is not yeah. good. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, so he played a very small percentage of the match and had like the second highest xG on the team. So just immediate impact in that <laughs> in that sense. So I mean, I, yeah. What what can you say about him? I think I think every time he's been coming on recently, he's been justifying um, the clamor for him to get more minutes, which is. It would be it would be highly unfortunate if he was coming on and not justifying that, but I, I think his performances have have shown what everyone's been getting at for a while. Yeah, and I think another person who's justifying his position at the moment is Benito Ramon. Uh, his hard work throughout the game, whether he scores or not, he got an assist in this one. But uh, I don't know. How, well, I don't know how they gave him an assist on that goal. But anyway, um, it, it, he's been playing really, really hard for the team. Uh, obviously, getting goals, which is big. But uh, he's nonstop running the, throughout the ninety minutes, and uh, it's something. Um, very similar to what Guido Bergsteller brings, except you know he has uh, obviously uh, the capability of scoring goals and uh, contributing more to the team, other than just you know offsides. So um, it's really great to see Ramon having another strong game. Marie, uh, really, he's has, the last month and a half, really since that controversy broke out like a month ago or so, uh, he's really come on and kind of lit a fire under him, and he's playing uh, as a striker that we would hope that would, that could play as well. He's been doing lately. Yeah, and I think he's one of the players, um, besides perhaps Arit, uh, who really gave Wagner reason to change his tactical tactical setup a bit. Because if I remember correctly, um, at the beginning of the season, Schalke played mostly in a four-two-three-one, uh, or you know, basically with 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 two wingers in their system. And ever since Raman has slid into the lineup, 
Arit has been moved from from the left wing to the middle of the pitch, and Raman has been one of two players up front. And um, it seems that he does very well in that system because he played in a similar position when he was at Fortuna Düsseldorf with um, Hennings uh, or Luca Bacchio next to him. So I think that you're not allowed to say Hennings on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you <laughs> for reminding me that I used a curse word there. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So, I just totally, I totally derailed your line of thought there. I apologize. Way to go, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I just lost my plot. But that's pretty much all I wanted to say about the tactical setup and uh, Raman being a beneficiary of that. Well, uh, despite the results of what happens today, uh, Schalke will end the uh, Hinrunde in fifth position, actually tied with uh, rivals uh, in the Ruhr Valley. Um, Bayern do jump uh, jump over us uh, with the results from this weekend. Leipzig still lead the pack and Gladbach close behind. Leverkusen is uh, two points behind us and then Hoffenheim and Freiburg after that. So it's still very close up top. Um, the the positions are starting to shape up right now, but it's still early in the season. We've seen many times before where a team that leads at, at the halfway point doesn't necessarily uh, end up in first place at the end of the season. Um, big news coming out of today, the guy who kind of led the podcast, uh, Alessandro Nubel, became official, something we all kind of knew was going to happen possibly with, with that, uh, without signing a contract. He officially joins Bayern at the end of the season. Um, big news, but not shocking news. Uh, Jack, uh, we kind of knew this was going to happen. Um, we kind of even said it when after that stupid penalty or stupid foul against Kasinovic in the Frankfurt match. We're like, this could be the last time we see him ever. Um, yeah. Uh, well, it's still to be determined on that point. But uh, yeah, he's he's out. Uh, what was your what was your thoughts when you heard it this morning? So first and foremost, I think it was relief to some extent that this was wrapped up and decided this early because as we know. Uh, you know, the Goretzka and Max Meyer situations tended to stretch out a little bit longer. So I'm glad that this got wrapped up sooner than later so that we can all move on. But in terms of, you know, the actual on the field implications and everything, um, I'm, I'm disappointed in the decision. Um, but as I talked about last last episode, I'm not convinced it's it's actually that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Um, Nubel is a good goalkeeper. I think by Bundesliga standards, he's he's very solid. Um, and as I mentioned last podcast, I, I feel I feel confident when he's back there. Um, I, I feel fairly secure when he's in goal. Um, and I think he has a lot of potential and is going to continue to get better and very well could turn into, you know, an, an excellent goalkeeper. But the thing is, he's not an excellent goalkeeper as of this moment in time. He's not the best goalkeeper in the Bundesliga, and I, I don't think he is the kind of player that we need to be crying over in the sense of, of how important he is to the squad. I mean, I think, I think there's players like you know, Leroy Sané and, and Goretzka that you would argue um, were much bigger losses than I think Nubel figures to be. Um, Schubert, in a very small sample size, has looked completely competent. I don't think there's been a significant difference in competency between what we've seen from Schubert so far and what we've seen from Nubel over the past year or so, um, you know, Fairman could return from loan a- a- as well, and he'll be back in the fold potentially. I don't know if he's going to want to go somewhere else if Schubert ends up getting the starting job, if, you know, if Fairman doesn't want to be the number two. But, like, it- it's not as if, you know, we're, lo- we're losing Nubel and now we have nobody. I mean, I-, I think we're still in a decent position in the goalkeeper spot. And, you know, if, if you have a player who doesn't want to be here anymore, um, I don't really want him here 
either. I, I think it's a questionable decision from from his perspective in the in the sense that uh, Manuel Neuer, as far as I'm aware, doesn't plan to go anywhere anytime soon, and he keeps saying that. Um, I mean, he's he's uh, he's reluctant to to let Ter Stegen get any credit <laughs> for anything, um, and, and that's you know the starting keeper of, of Barcelona and probably the the, the best. German keeper at this point. Nubel is none of those things. You know what I mean? I mean, like, if he's not letting Ter Stegen get some shine, I mean, he's not going to let Nubel get a sniff. I, I don't know what conversations Nubel's agent and Nubel had with Bayern behind the scenes about what his 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 timeshare and goal might be next season. Um, maybe there's been conversations that have been had that uh, we and potentially even Manuel Neuer aren't aware of. Although I find that highly unlikely. I, I just I, I can't see him getting a lot of playing time. Um, at Bayern anytime soon, and I just I wonder what that's going to do for his development. I, I think he's in a a position. He's still so young. If I were him, and you know, there's obviously I'm <laughs> very far away from that. But like to, to me, it's like okay, you're you're playing for one of the big the biggest clubs in Germany right now, um, a team that's kind of on the rebound is fighting for Champions League qualification. Stay here for a couple more years until Manuel Neuer is actually ready to step away or is being pushed out at some point, and then make that move. Um, get the playing time, get the experience, continue to grow and get match minutes, which is crucial at your age. Um, and, and we all know that goalkeepers tend to have a longer shelf life than other players anyway. I mean, like, you know, it, they can play; they don't decline maybe as early as you would as you would typically associate with with other players. So it, it's not as urgent in my opinion um to maybe make that big move as early in your career as it might be for like a typical outfield player so um yeah i'm very interested to hear the rest of your thoughts on it i I, i'm not overly sad about it from shalka's perspective but i do think it's potentially a a strange decision for nubel at at this point in his career Maria, I think it was you on Talking Football who said this is very similar to the situation with Goretzka when he was at Schalke. Uh, and he made his announcements during the Christmas break, and Nubel is as well. Um, the big difference is that Goretzka was more than, more than likely going to see a lot of pitch time. Not necessarily be a starter, but he getting a lot of pitch time. Nubel, he's going to be around the bench, isn't he? There's going to be no way that he's going to be seeing the field unless it's like some mop-up games here and there that don't mean anything. Yeah, I think... I mean, someone wrote on Twitter that in 2023, when Neuer's new contract that he's likely to sign will expire, Nubel will be 27 years old and he'll have less than 100 Bundesliga matches under his belt. So that's incredible, like, to me that, you know, you would throw that away, that game practice that's especially key for a goalkeeper, perhaps more so than for other positions on the pitch. It's absolutely mind-blowing um, and you know, this Schalke isn't any club. I think we can be confident enough to say that we're the one of the top three clubs in Germany in terms of um, financial ability. Well, maybe not no longer financial ability, but the sheer size and history of the club. And he's the captain of that club. And, you know, people are now saying, OK, maybe he'll be loaned out. Maybe he'll play for the Bayern 2 in the third um, tier. But that that is no... Um, that's not even compar- comparable to the to the experience he would have gained playing for Schalke, you know, maybe even Europa League or Champions League next season. So I just I really don't understand it from his um, perspective, unless 
Um, he thinks that he can claim the number one spot earlier than 2023, which is what he managed to do at Schalke. You know, he managed to um, get that spot from Fehrmann, who was very beloved and who was the captain, very established. And that was a big upset a year ago when he did that. But even for him to think that he would be able to do so again would, to me, be mind-bogglingly like arrogant. Um, so I, I hope that his advisor didn't try to persuade him that that was going to be an option. And yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think I phrased this um, already, but I think Schalke is not the loser here. Schalke has Schubert. I agree with um, you both that there are other keepers in the Bundesliga who at this moment are better than Nübel. Someone like Jan Sommer at Gladbach or Peter Gulaschi at Leipzig, they're certainly um, at this um, time more competent in a lot of the skills that a goalkeeper requires. So it's it's sad. I think it's sad for Schalke that, um, uh, you know, it's sad for the standing of the club that someone would rather sit on the bench at Bayern Munich than be a starter and a captain at, at Schalke, the club. Um, but... I, I think Nubel has made a mistake here. You know, I, I wanted to see what Schalke fans thought. Uh, we put out a poll this this morning. Uh, we got a lot of results because obviously this is striking a core with people. And our question was simple. Would you start Nubel or Schubert for the remainder of the season given today's news? Um, the votes came in. Uh, 84% have voted for Schubert to start the rest of the season. Uh, 13% want Nubel to start the rest of the season. And then 3% want them to split time. Uh, some of the comments that people left, uh, Schalke 04 did the Persau said, put the traitor on the Schalke 2 squad. Uh, Josh Zippy came, uh, commented, uh, Schubert, in all competitions, no point making Nubel any better before he leaves. We need Schubert now. 6-1 Schalke 04 said, Schubert has looked good the majority of the time. Unless, time, unless that changes and Nubel is clearly that superior option, which we don't think he is, um, then I say Schubert is the guy. Uh, Ex-Schalke Chrysler USA says, uh, first, to start out with Chris Smith. He says, don't know about Aaron Nubel, but how about my boy Katuchu being on, I've been saying it for decades. Thanks, Curdy. Um, Shaka <laughs> Canada says, uh, Nubel will most likely play like Goretzka the second half. He truly won't care if we win or lose. Uh, we already seen that in this season. He makes reckless decisions because he knew he was always going to leave. Uh, and Shaka Chrysler said, and he doesn't need any practice on the field just to bench him on, in Munich. I think he needs some bench practice. <laughs> so it seems like the fans are saying, Schubert the rest of the way. Jack, what are you? What do you say? Uh, real quick, I think the tweet that uh, Marie was referencing um, about the Nubel twenty twenty three contract thing was uh, from Renee, who's a great follow for Schalke fans. So, yes, yes. Uh, shout out at Renee underscore nineteen oh four if you want to give <laughs> a follow there. Um, mostly, I'm just glad this is over because you know Nubel's been interviewed about it very consistently and has given, I think, awful answers from a PR perspective. Um, and so I'm just glad this is going to stop being a conversation point in terms of this getting brought up and overshadowing, you know, the team performance. Um, I mean, I think it needs to be stripped of the captaincy for sure. And that's one thing that needs to happen. Um, and then I, I, I don't necessarily know if it needs to be one of these, like, okay, he's banished. We, we don't play him ever again. I think what we need to do is we need to do what is ever, what's going to be good for the team what's best for the team. Um, and if for some reason Schubert starts putting in, you know, sketchy performances and is, is less solid than he's appeared to be in, in the relatively small sample size the last couple of weeks, um, 
if we think that Nubel is a better option for the rest of the season, I think we should put Nubel in goal because we have aspirations that we need to uh, try to reach. And I don't think we should let, you know, hard feelings maybe get in the way of that. Um, but that being said, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think maybe his <laughs> his position in the squad should definitely be reduced. If we're confident in Schubert, I would love to see Schubert get the minutes instead. I'm just saying the people that are saying, you know, banish him to Schalke 2, that kind of stuff, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's potentially kind of an emotional overreaction. Um, but, I mean, I understand at the same time, you know, they feel like, you know, this guy's once again kind of betraying the club or, and, and choosing, you know, greener pastures and, and instead of missing out on the opportunity that he has. Here, um, yeah, like I, like I said, I'm just I'm just glad it's over. I, I didn't want this hanging over for the rest of the season, and uh, now we can hopefully kind of move on, and there'll be minimal drama. Marie, what about you? I also think to add to that, to just throw a bit of a curveball into the discussion, I think it's also an odd decision by Bayern Munich to make at this moment in time because they're likely to extend with Manuel Neuer. And Nubel hasn't done much in this current season to raise his value or prove um, that he is the long-term Neuer heir in the German goal. I think he still has a lot to show for that. And they themselves have a very talented young German keeper. I, I think he's maybe he's German-Austrian. I could be Frühlich? wrong. Feel free to- yeah, Früchte. Yeah, so he's... Oh, yeah, right. For Früchte, it's, it's really a shame um, because he... Even at the age of 15, Pep Guardiola took him to the training squad, um, to the training camp with him. He's a big, big talent who's had a lot of game development and is their goalkeeper in the third um, division. And for Ulreich, I mean, Ulreich at this rate will probably leave in the summer. And he's been a very solid number two. I think I could see Ulreich starting at a lot of Bundesliga clubs. So it's a weird thing. And, you know, Bayern, if they're going to go ahead with their kind of master plan uh, or Salihamidzic's plan to have, um, you know, have Nubel maybe start five or ten games each season and then become Neuer's heir in 2023, they're going to get a player who doesn't have much experience in big matches because I doubt he's going to be playing in the Champions League or in the latter um, half of the Pokal competition. Um, the German Cup, so to speak. So it, it's really also from from Bayern, I think it's one of those things where they're like, oh, we must get him because he's German and young and we don't want him to go anywhere else. But it doesn't seem a very good fit for them either. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's curious all the way around. I agree. I, I think I think you can poke holes in the decision from Nubel's perspective and, and from Bayern's perspective. It's... Um, there just seems to be this sort of like inevitability or like inertia to it. It's like when, whenever there's a prospect like this, it's it, Byron just buys them to buy them just so they have them. But yeah, I mean, it, there's times where uh, it makes less sense than, than on other occasions for sure. Yeah. And it's uh, n- another, another topic that kind of it's spurred was who's going to be the next captain. Uh, some people voted for Mascarell, other people for Stambouli again. Um, it's going to be interesting. I know Jack already said that, you know, we should take the captaincy from him. And I agree with him on that. Um, why keep the guy who you just the only reason you put him make him the captain was to try to keep him and that didn't work out. Yeah, so, so well take it. Richard, on that point, can we stop doing that as a club? Can we stop <laughs> like working for all these youngsters? Like, because yeah. we did it with Goretzka too. It's like the second we have this prospect, we're like, we give them the captaincy to, to show them, like, hey, this is like, you know, like what you could be for this club and, and, and as a motivation to try to stay. I'm so tired of that. Like, 
somebody like, as you said, Stan Bouley is infinitely more deserving of the captaincy than Newbel ever was to begin with. Um, you know, even when when these conversations and rumors were way earlier in, in in the stage, like you need to give that to somebody who has demonstrated the commitment to the club, and not somebody as as waffly, you know, and sort of like arrogant as Nubel has been in some interviews and everything. I mean, like it's it's just not a good look. I mean, like I, I'm really tired of that, and I hope that we don't do that in the future. If there's another player that we're trying to hold on onto, it's just it's it's. Yeah, I, I disagreed with that from the beginning, and it, it looks even more silly now that he's decided to to move on. Yeah, and on that note, I mean, um, Benedict Hüvedes, he recently gave an interview to Spox in Germany where he said that when he got the armband at the age of 23, he was embarrassed um, because there were older players in the team who were much better suited to have that role, someone like Huntela, Raúl. Metzelda, guys who perhaps have a higher sporting caliber than our current squad members. But again, it's also a matter of age. I mean, even think of think of your own lives. You know, when you're 23 years old, you treat people who are in their late 20s, early 30s with a certain kind of respect. And you wouldn't, you know, plaster yourself up and be like, oh, you know, I'm captain now. It just it just seems really odd in that sense as well. And it's, I just really don't like, I mean, I think it's such a bizarre tool to be like, oh, you know, you're the captain, maybe you'll stay. And it's, it reminds me a bit of, you know, in, in medieval times when, um, or even, you know, more modern times, this is me getting a bit embarrassed with my history knowledge, but when, <laughs> when like royal families would marry off their daughters with other foreign royal families to, you know, get new games, new lands and benefit the prosperity of their own um, name. And, you know, these were never good marriages <laughs> because they were just to to get another asset. And I think this is a similar line of thinking to be, I mean, even in the summer, I really didn't like that decision to give someone with so little experience and someone so young the armband when players like Caligiuri, Stamboli would, you know, they, I mean, Mascarelle at that time didn't have the position in the, in the team to, to hold that role, but I think Stamboli, like you guys said, must have thought, you know, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it a very, very odd uh, decision. And hopefully, like Jack said, like you both of you said, uh, hopefully going forward, this is not the way to do it. Because uh, you see other teams do it too, and you're like, this is stupid. Come on. Give it to the people, someone who's actually going to lead the team and, and can actually hold the locker room as opposed to someone who has no no strength in it whatsoever. So anyway. Richard, at least we're getting a, we're going to get a lot of money for him. Oh, wait. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait. Too soon. Too soon. Oh, well, sp- yeah. well, speaking of someone who Once we get again. a lot of money from uh, in the in the hopefully long-term future, and that's Kabak. Um, let's talk about the center backs because Marie kind of brought this up before the podcast. And, you know, you know, Chipka's inserted at the moment. Kabak is playing now. McKinney has played recently. You know, we have, yes, Nastasic, Sane, Stambouli. They're all injured. But once everybody comes back, what do we do? Because Chipka, he's in the two games he's been at, at center back, Hasn't been bad, really. You know, we, you know, he's got a good size on him, so he would do much better than Miranda. Clearly, um, McKinney, while he was in there, he had some good moments and some not, not so good moments. But he is not a defender; he is a midfielder, more of an attacking midfielder, if anything else. Um, so those two, I thought, did you know fairly admirable for being you know asked to play a position that they're not familiar with at all. Um, so, what are your thoughts, Jack, on those two players in particular? And then once we get fit, who is our center back pairing? Well, I think I think Ochipka through the first couple of matches here has actually done a pretty good job. I've been impressed with him. Um, uh, he's looked 
I, I think his ball skills in particular have have made that a very easy transition for him. Good um, goal line clearance too, the first minute of the game. Yeah, I, I've, I've been very. He just he slid in and he hasn't looked out of place at all, which has been interesting. I, I think McKenney, when he was back there, definitely looked a little bit more shaky than than Ochipka has through the first couple of matches. And there were times where I think you could point to specific things that McKenney did. Um, that caused problems. Uh, I remember like the Leverkusen game that the goal, he was maybe a little bit out of position on that. And I mean, people have not been pleased with his general play. Um, As far as when we get full strength, um, I I think it's going to be hard to drop Kabak just because he's been, he's been so excellent. Um, But I I think maybe, maybe Wagner starts rotating. I mean, I, I know people like to have kind of like a, a center back pairing that they can get chemistry with and then kind of like make that the go to and, and kind of keep it going. But, um, you know, I, I wonder if maybe uh, Wagner tailors the selection to the opponent. If there's if there's a team that we're playing, perhaps that we're less concerned about their attack or perhaps maybe their um their physicality or aerial threat around the box, and and we maybe could take advantage of having a better ball playing center back to help us build out of the back. Maybe you go Stambouli and in Kabak for a game like that. Whereas, um, you know, like I said, if 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 it's a team that you're more worried about, maybe you put in Salif Sane in that situation to partner with him. Um, it, it just could could be an opportunity to keep the guys fresher and allow for some rotation, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Um, but it's it's certainly going to be a difficult question for Wagner when we have, uh, you know, a full complement of center backs back because I, I think I think everyone has played well this season. I don't think there's been anyone that's played poorly. I think Stambouli and Sinebo have played very well early in the season. I think Nastasic has been steady as ever when he's been in there. I've never thought he's been a bad player. I think he's a very competent Bundesliga center back. And then obviously Kabak is impressed. So um, yeah, it, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I think um, you know. Both, I agree with you. Both, both you know, Chipka and McKinney filled in admirably. Going forward, the top four. I mean, I like I like that idea of you know rotating the guys in practice, really get them all uh, familiar with each other in pairings. Just change it up. Just make sure they're all comfortable with each other. So when when a game time comes, whoever we put together out there, they they're comfortable with each other. Um, but if you know, if you go use the theory about you know keeping the same center back going forward. If, if if that's how he's gonna go, I want Kabaka there because he's done so well lately, and you know want him to build on that. Um, and then who would who would be you know filling in that second spot? I love Stambouli, but I don't know if he would be above Nastasic or Sane at their best. For me, really, it's a flip of the coin between Sane and Nastasic. I think you know you would think Sane has the most upside at the moment, um, but he's also had a lot of more mistakes than Nastasic lately. It seems like so. I, I, one of those two, I think. I don't know. Um, but I would I would certainly want Kabak if he's going to have two people only. I want Kabak to be one of those two. Marie, what are your thoughts on not only Chipka and McKinney, but the the, the center back pairing going forward? Yeah, so my my center back pairing, um, if I were in David Wagner's shoes, would be Kabak and Sunny. And I think with that combination, we would have a top top two or three um, defensive unit in in the Bundesliga, you know, defensive pairings, um, rather. And um, as for Okchipka and Weston McKenney, yeah, Okchipka's done very well. I think even as a winger, he's definitely has his strengths more on the defensive um, side of the game, in my opinion. He's had some, and I know he gets assists occasionally, but he also often 
place crosses that um, are pretty much the end of any um, Schalke attack <laughs> attacking play. Um, and he's done he's done very well with Weston McKenney. I just sometimes it just really bothers me that he's constantly shoved around because I think he could be a year um, or more further down the line in his development if he were to really um, cement his position in the team and learn the mechanisms of being in one position on the pitch, um, yeah. so to speak. So I think, um, you know, I mean, it, he's a, clearly a very strong team player and it was very, very sad when he uh, was injured. And I think the stadium was very shocked um, at the beginning. It went very quiet. And then, you know, you had all the people cheering his name because he is um, very highly regarded. And um, yeah, I think... You know, it's a shame that he doesn't get to play um, in his favorite position more often. But yeah, my 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 pairing would be Kabak and Sunny. And and you touched upon, I think, one of the bigger talking points uh, for U.S. men's national team supporters, which is just you know the the versatility that Weston McKinney has is is very much a double edged sword. It's great because it means that he can get more minutes and can be. Um, included in a variety of areas, but it's that lack of specialization. And you wonder if he was consistently being put in sort of that box to box eight role and, and played there all the time. If, yeah, if, as you said, he would be a little bit further in his development in that position, which is where everyone expects him to be, you know, throughout his career, um, if he played there consistently. So yeah, that's, um, very frustrating. And I want I actually, I actually want to ask you because I, I feel like, and obviously Twitter is not an accurate reflection of real life. Um, and it's, it's important to remember that at times because Twitter can be kind of a crazy place. But I, I find Weston McKinney, even among Schalke fans, to be a very polarizing figure um, with some people who rate him very highly and some people who do not rate him at all. And I'm not just saying at center back, just kind of in general. And I was wondering um, where, where you fall on him. Because for I think Richard and I, I mean Richard, I don't want to put words in your mouth. The way I kind of feel about him is I think uh, there are aspects of his game that are that are frustrating um, at times, but uh, I think there are certain things that he brings to the table, particularly his aerial dominance, um, yeah, and his ability to sometimes launch attacks that I, that I think is very useful um, and is worth being in the team somewhat regularly. So I was wondering what your thoughts were, Marie. My thoughts are that he's a potential future captain, to be honest. I think he's very highly highly regarded in the dressing room. He's kind of a very playful character, but um, also very mature for his age. You know, he came to Germany very young to chase that dream of becoming a professional. And um, it's really, I'm, I'm really, I'm a bit mad. I think it's very unfo- unfortunate what's happening this season because now, you know, he, he's going to have troubles in the latter half of the season to even get a starting spot because Caligiuri um, is now laying claims to that extra um, number eight position besides Suazerda. Um Oma Mascarel, I think, is really at this point irreplaceable as a number six. And then you've got Arit, who always needs to play anyway. And it's it's becoming very hard. You know, I think um, you guys raised this earlier on the podcast about Kutuchu maybe... Um, dropping deeper and I really like that idea of maybe seeing Kutuchu and seeing what he brings as a number eight or as a playmaker um sort of a backup for Arit I guess because he does have the ball skills to do that 
Um, and it's really tricky because I think the more that Wesson McKenney gets pushed around, the lesser, um, you know, the looser his grip becomes on midfield where he wants to be playing. But I think, um, I mean, I saw this in the stadiums when, when I was there um, on numerous occasions that in the ranks, um, so, you know, outside the bubble of Twitter, he's, he's a highly, <laughs> highly regarded player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, versatility is always and, – and making tough choices is always something hard uh, when it comes to being a Schalke fan. So we, in that spirit, uh, we sent out a tweet that uh, Schalke jumped up board and helped along with uh, push this out uh, where, you know, we said, you know, 2019 is now wrapped up or is wrapping up. Uh, so we thought we'd reflect on the past decade, 2010 to 2019, uh, to pick our team of the decade. We sent a tweet out. Um, sending for all the positions, some interesting votes thus far. We're not going to reveal it. Uh, people can still vote until New Year's Day, so make sure you get your votes out there if you haven't done so yet. Feel free to do more if you want. Uh, the one thing that was interesting to me in that whole voting thing was the manager of the decade, and I I, I didn't think it would be as close as it is because at the moment, Stevens and Tedesco are, are going back and forth, at least on Twitter. On Facebook, it's a, it's a clear decision there, but... Uh, I, I would have thought more people would have voted for Felix Magath, you know, just, just on what he's done. But, you know, it's interesting to me to see a lot, there's a lot of, clearly a lot of uh, Tedesco fans uh, who weren't too bitter that he, that, they weren't bitter that he left. They were obviously frustrated that he left. So this, this your initial thoughts real quick. We're not going to get too deep into this, but why, you know, how Tedesco and Stevens are so close and close or neck and neck uh, on this vote thus far. Jack, what about you? What do you think? Uh, Roberto Di Matteo for manager of the decade and Franco DeSanto for player of the decade. Any other answer is incorrect. <laughs> How about you, Marie? Yeah, I think um, Magat is, um, you know, leaves a bit of a sour taste in a lot of people now, people's mouths because of um, the... I think he signed like 45 players or something ridiculous. And at some point Schalke had like two Bundesliga squads. And then, um, you know, it was the, it was actually Horst Held who was tasked with getting rid of all those players and kudos to him for managing to do that. You know, there were players like Cyprian Deak and other, you know, wonders yeah. of the, of the European game. Um, <laughs> so I think that's why he, <laughs> And Zeroberto too. I forgot about Zeroberto too. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. also in the squad. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think that explains um, why fans don't like him very much. And Stevens, I guess people rate him very highly for what he did earlier on in um, his relation with Schalke. And that's why yeah, he's I kind of so. so high up. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think Tedesco deserves that spot because he really uh, won a lot of sympathies and um, even for like creative coaching decisions such as playing Max Meyer as a number six which no one had thought possible yeah. and which he has not had the chance to do at his new club <laughs> um, so yeah it really I think that was a really interesting question for you guys to throw in there isn't that sort of a, a sad statement on Schalke though that a, that a manager who was only there for two years and only had one year of success is being considered as manager of the decade <laughs> <Yeah>. though <laughs> That's about the decades been. It, it's really since the early, you know, pre two thousand twelve. After two thousand twelve, really, it's been a downhill for for Schalke, and we you know went through Vine Zero and Brighton Reiner and all, all these guys. And yeah, it's kind of interesting state that you know a guy who had one good season is considered manager of the decade. So it's it's fantastic, and hopefully people keep bringing their votes in because that's uh that's I'm curious how that one ends up. I mean, like I think 
I might be crucified for saying this, but I think some of the, the, the revolving door manager situation almost makes Jens Keller look better in some regard. Yeah. Because um, I think the that. team was at least somewhat steady under him. But anyway, yeah, it's an interesting question. Hopefully we can um, – hopefully Wagner's around for a while and we can actually build something and have some consistency <laughs> at the helm and uh, keep that going. But, you know, who knows? We'll reveal the team of the decade in our midseason award show. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, we have a, a month-long break, Jack. Uh, so we'll reveal that team then. Uh, maybe have some guests on. Marie, you're more than welcome to join if you're, if you're available. So uh, <laughs> on, on that note, I think we'll wrap it up. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Schalke U.S. newsletter. Simply enter your email address and you'll get them once a month. Um, I get two because my, I signed up my son as well. So uh, <laughs> on that <laughs> note, um, keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, and all those who tweeted us in providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, uh, send us a tweet at Schalke America. Um, Marie, thank you so much for uh, coming on. It's been, a, it's been way too long uh, that you have it's, to have you, you know, it's been a long time since we get to talk to you. Uh, so thank you for coming on. Um, and thank you for help spreading the movement. Uh, we, we thoroughly appreciate it, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we really do. Yeah. The free Katooch movement, Marie, uh, helping us out with that. And yeah, and Marie, always a, a pleasure and a privilege to have you on. So thank you for making time for us today. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. Um, it was my pleasure as well. Really fun talking to you guys. Where can our followers find you on social media? So your and my potential followers <laughs> can <laughs> find me on Twitter at Marie Shubo, Shubo spelled S-C-H-U-B-O. Very good. Very good. Make sure you give her a follow. Uh, she is our most capped guest uh, on uh, Shock America. So uh, we love having <laughs> her back every time. So um, Jack, uh, we should also give some uh, shout out to our very good friends at NBC4 Nashville. Uh, they truly support our, our podcast so well. Yes, yes, of course. And I'm, I'm glad to say that, that Maria is our most capped guest because we can't have Critty, a Bayern, yeah, uh, a Dortmund yeah. fan, be – I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just wrong. I mean, it's the whole thing, yeah. Um, I thought he was a Bayern fan. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, <laughs> he's a fan of whoever's playing Schalke, we'll say that. Um, uh, you, get, you can find me at uh, J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Very good. And once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. You can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friend, stay ready, enjoy the Vinterpaza, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes. Happy holidays and free you.